Brain Grub. Unfiltered, in-depth discussions to season your life. Psychologically feeding your brain, one bite at a time. Join psychologist Dr. Christine Fair and co-host Kaylee Bowen as they inspire, encourage, and offer usable approaches to impact your life in a positive way. So welcome back, Kaylee. How are you? Doing well. How about you, Christine? I am doing well. Excellent. We had a turkey day. Yeah. Big Thanksgiving. It's nice. Yeah. 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 So we have a guest in the house with we us today. Do. We have someone brave wanting to come on air with us. <laughs> Miss Rachel Wixie. Say hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank yes. you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how was your Thanksgiving? Very nice. Yeah? Yeah. I have a generous family that likes to do the majority of the work oh. and the prep and we're asked to bring just one dish and ourselves mm. and be ready to settle in and enjoy and that's what it was nice. it was lovely yeah, yeah it's wonderful my kids and their partners and it was just lovely awesome very good kaylee yours was good it was nice i was in texas it was gorgeous <laughs> like i loved <laughs> it, it. i did not want to return no i did not but yes yeah, so for those of you listening around the world we're here in ohio we today we do have sun so we're loving that mm-hmm. um but yeah if you're in another part of the world right now that it's summer we're jealous. Yes, we would like to be you. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So, welcome, Rachel. So, we um, are happy to have Rachel here today because she is going to be sharing with us her expertise in a very important area of wellness, right? So, Brain Grow, mm-hmm. we like to give you the science behind what wellness brings and how to connect the mind, body, and spirit. And Rachel really embodies that, right? She mm-hmm. is all about meditation for wellness so tell us a little bit about what you do plug do some plugs okay okay thank you so I facilitate meditation for wellness I do that in groups at my wellness center in Maumee Ohio Mm -hmm. and then I also do that in schools okay um, with both staff and with youth Mm -hmm. and I also do that in businesses for workplace wellness awesome so you do allow so you kind of have a combo going on right where you can come um, do these things live in your studio, yes. or you can find these practices—you know, these practices online as well. Correct. Okay. Awesome. And how did you get into this? Oh, loaded question. So, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll share a little bit of the story. It okay. Was somewhere around 2008, I was working in a family business. I was married and raising two kids. Mm-hmm. I still am married and raising two adult kids. And um, my point is, at the time, everything from the outside looking on probably looked just fine, maybe even looked well, maybe even looked successful by whatever way you may define success. But what was actually going on on the inside was a great deal of um, judgment, resentment, judgment, anger, worry, doubt, fear, judgment, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So I'm hearing judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what I knew was there had to be another way. There had to be another way of being with myself and my own experiences. There had to be another way of being in relationships. Mm -hmm. So even one, how I was relating to myself, um, how I was relating to those up close personal relationships, and even how I related to those passerby relationships, like mm-hmm. the lady at the checkout in front of you taking too long, or the person driving in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it sent me seeking. And a very, very long story short, that seeking led me to a body of work that invited me to sit down once a day every day, let my eyes close, and consider this. And it would give me a very short contemplative practice. Mm-hmm. Christine, that started off to be one to two minutes a day at a time, and then it grew to three to five minutes, and then it grew to five to seven minutes, and then eventually over the course of um, you know a year or so, that practice grew and developed into 
um, anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes a morning, mm-hmm. a very nourishing, rich practice. And um, the body of work didn't explicitly say, this is going to teach you meditation. So I didn't really set out to find meditation. I often kind of say meditation found me. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't long after that that I began to make a direct correlation between my meditation practice and every area, every aspect, every relationship in my life doing a complete 180. And it was sometime after that that I thought, well, why didn't I have this as a kid? Why didn't I have this in my youth? I did my teenage years a little messy. And college wasn't much different. I mean, I made it. You know, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do feel like having um, some basic skills to self-regulate, you know, regulate the um, body, self-regulation in terms of emotion regulation, organ regulation, to have had some skills in my repertoire for that through those tough years. And tough years for me, quite honestly, started from eighth grade on. You know, eighth grade felt ugh to me. Wouldn't want to go back even now with the wisdom that I feel that I have now. I wouldn't want to go back to eighth grade. And um, then I thought, well, maybe there are people in the world teaching um, kids mindfulness meditation. Mm -hmm. It's just that maybe Northwest Ohio hadn't caught up yet. And I looked and found that at the time there were two organizations teaching um, educators and then outside providers, which is what I'm considered, to be able to deliver mindfulness curriculum to K-12 youth um, skillfully. And I went through that certification process. And then that's what really also started my um, love and formal study of really what's going on. Like, where is the efficacy coming from? Why does this quote work when Mm -hmm. I sit down for these practices? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, when, what came up for me was when you were like, eighth grade, I want to go back there. Mm-hmm. And all the judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about that on, mm-hmm. on different types of shows and personifying mm-hmm. that negative voice. Mm-hmm. And really being able to sit with yourself mm-hmm. is not always easy. Yes, right? ma'am. We yeah, oftentimes absolutely. are our own worst enemy. So learning a way to kind of be able to sit with ourselves, sit with our thoughts, honor them, Mm -hmm. be able to look for internal guidance or Mm -hmm. wisdom, draw from that. Mm -hmm. Um, Sounds like that can be very powerful in your life. And even, absolutely, even having that discernment around um, what is inner wisdom versus what is that, you know, first loud kind of chaotic voice that might come up when we are in a state of either anger or judgment or fear or doubt. Mm-hmm. And there is that difference, and really the practice does help um, us become f- more familiar with what, you know, wise inner wisdom is or, or gu- inner guidance might be versus, you know, just kind of that. I hate her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right? The judge. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Judy. Mm-hmm. Judy. <laughs> oh, Judy. <laughs> Kaylee's negative personification mm-hmm. is Judy. I was going to yes. say, okay. So. <laughs> yeah. she, that Judy, Judy comes back to us quite yeah. often. Stinking She's terrible. Judy, Judy is mm-hmm. terrible. She's not that nice. I no. bet. No? Well, you know, I don't have a name for mine. I'm going to think about that. And maybe next time mm-hmm. we join, I'll yeah. have yeah. one. But my Judy, so to speak, was sharp. Like mine mm. was a little vicious. So I had a very high threshold. Okay. But if I hit it, then I was kind of coming after you. I would, you know, I would I would look to be real sharp. I would want it to cut deep. And then I would want it to push you down so that you weren't getting up for a couple of weeks. Nice. Wow. That was just kind of one of those things that was. Right. Rachel's bef- inner critic is like a serial killer. <laughs> well, I don't know that. <laughs> Me, you know, wait, maybe I, one of the mean uh, girls. I was, I was. It, yeah, like, no, yeah, here if I you felt go. like my back was against the wall, yeah, mm-hmm. I was coming after you. That makes sense, Like though. I said, I had a high threshold, mm-hmm. but if, I, if you got me to hit it, then it wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Yes. I, I mean, we all have them, we right? Do. It's figuring out who it is. Yeah. 
and um, being able to look at it in a new perspective. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was either that or it was, um, I, I would go total opposite, get real cool, like, fine, no problem, I don't need you. You know, that's that's fine, I've got this. We'll just got cut this you out of our you. life. Right. Like, mm-hmm. have you ever gone on a road trip and spent two, three hours just looking out the window without saying a word? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no problem, that's fine. And um, what's important to kind of understand in our practice helps us look at this and, and accept it is that one is attack, the other is suppression. Both are avoidance. And so our, our to have a secular meditation practice gives us a different skill and ability to be able to look at our own stuff mm-hmm. in a different way and to be able to sit and metabolize differently those things about ourselves that maybe we don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, we get tempted to look at this work and go, oh, you know, who needs this? <laughs> you know, my right. father needs this. Right. Right. You know, but really, it's all staying in our own lane, kind of right back here, mm-hmm. applying the practice against your own experiences and then becoming enriched as a result of that. Not, not policing anybody else's. We're mm-hmm. not here to really police other people's stuff with our practice. It's right. a temptation right. that we kind of go through. It's part of the journey usually, but once you make it through and past that, you're well underway. Okay, great. So for people who are listening, can you give us kind of a, a definition, if you will, of meditation? Because there's so much hype about meditation, right? Meditation is going to like solve everything. It's going to help, you know, cure everything. Um, and, you know, they, I, I guess, can you help just give a little bit of a definition of what it is? Yes, because I really, I Is it know, mindfulness? Is right. it meditation? It's because we know it's not. Right. <laughs> I know what meditation is, but other than that, I don't know anything about meditation. Okay. Yes. Okay, so I love it. I love the question. And the definition that we'll work with is usually the definition that I work with in the context of assuming I'm in space with some type of beginner. At okay. least one beginner awesome. is in the space. And so, um, first of all, I would want to say this, too. There are many different kinds of meditation. The kind I'm about to talk about is not the beginning and the end and the best or anything like that. It's um, secular in nature. So there's no religion. There's no dogma. There's no doctrine. So we're not talking like, oh, this is a Christian base or a Buddhist base or a... Okay. Correct. That's correct. Um, We're talking about um, everything that we'll look at is based in neuroscience. So what's going on in the brain and the nervous system when we're under stress then what resources do we have as humans that allow us to cultivate more comfort in the body, more ease in the mind, even as we go through hard things? Mm-hmm. And the definition that we'll work with for your question right now is um, given by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, and he's a clinical physician that actually worked with and treated pain patients. This is years and years ago, over 30 years ago, and was mm-hmm. finding that the traditional clinical treatments weren't enough. So he actually developed MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, in order to provide some additional relief um, for these situations. And here's the definition. The awareness that comes from paying attention in the present moment on purpose, and here's the kicker, non-judgmentally. The awareness that comes from paying attention in the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally. Okay, I'm just going to jump okay. in right there because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, we're, it's people watching. But that but, comes but with the judgment part. <laughs> oh, <but>. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's being yeah. aware on purpose. Uh-huh. Ow, but yes, the mm. non-judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Ow. That's yeah. the hard part. Mm-hmm. That's the hard part. And so this is what I'll say. Um, we're in Bowling Green, Ohio right now. It's about 
you know, 320 our time here who in the room or maybe on air has judged themselves or someone else at least once today. Like at least one judgment. Oh, it's me for it's, sure. It's me for sure. Oh, yeah, for me too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I raise that part of the definition because judgment in and of itself is a stressor. It's a disconnect. So there's a great deal of evidence that tells us biologically we're built for connection. Spiritually, if that's your thing, we know spiritually we're built for connection. We can endure a judgment here and there from time to time and not take too big of a hit. But when we are in that constant narrative or a constant state of judgment or going on from one judgment to the next, it ends up putting a tax and a toll on the nervous system that the nervous system is not intended to carry. Mm -hmm. So over time, I think young people can probably endure this for a while, but you get to be like my age or older, there ends up being fallout in some well, way, shape, or form. I mean, form. you and I just spoke about this, yes. right? Yes. That um, a lot of stress in the body over time ends up being illness, yes. right? We've yes. talked about this. We've had a podcast about this. Mm-hmm. Stress kills, right? Yes. Yeah. Stress creates illness. It's, it does. Um, so again, it also, it just works against our natural connection. That's right. And I mean, I don't know anybody who's getting kind of ego hits that feels good. Correct. Well, mm-hmm. here's what's so interesting about the, what you said and the way you said it. When we go into that state, we do get a little dopamine hit for a minute. That's why it might feel good to get sharp for or to say that judgmental statement or to hop in mm-hmm. and breathe mm-hmm. for a minute because the body does get a dopamine mm-hmm. hit from it. I can see that. And we can okay. even get addicted to that dopamine hit. That's We all can think of at least one person. Oh, my person gosh, the chronic complainer. The chronic complainer. Oh, my that's gosh. That's right. So that's where that comes from. Okay, got they, it. They're getting some kind of, and then when they get away from it too long, the body naturally is kind of going back towards that, and then it's habitual, and you're getting the hit, mm. and so on. But it's not that sustained well-being from emotion regulation that we're able to get when we're stabilized in that state. Okay. There's a difference, for no, sure. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got a working definition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We kind of know that at least what we're talking about is paying attention on purpose, removing judgment. Right? Yes. So you're not learning this or doing this to try to tell other people what to do. Correct. Or to feel better than others. Right. Yeah. It really is about finding peace and space within yourself mm-hmm. and being able to guide. I kind of, when you said that, I, what came to my mind was thinking of almost like raising our vibration. So, you know, everybody, every cell in our body has a vibration, right? And if you are kind of turned in, tuned into more Eastern practices, you know about the chakras and the nadis and our energy, right? Flowing through our chi necessarily right our naughty pathways but um also just for our bodies to be energetic we are energetic beings Mm -hmm. and the more vibration we have right the the more we shine and i think if you are able to stay it sounds like in the grounded practice of non-judgment my hunch is that you're vibrating at a higher level and you're probably feeling more energetic and at peace and able to connect with more people more easily absolutely that's my hunch yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean if you think about it like why wouldn't you connect with everybody if you're not judging anyone like yeah you're not you're not you're not all judgy right and you're being in the yeah no you're in the present moment think how much less stress you are in the present moment you're not thinking about last night's dinner burning you're not thinking about (laughs) tomorrow's teacher conference right And everything that you said is a big yes. I would also say that it's hard to expect humans not to have those moments of judgment. And so it's often the quality that comes from being aware of our judgment versus being carried away by our judgment. Noticing our anger instead of becoming our anger, being embodied in like this angry state, or or so it's it's very much this awareness practice of having a skill and a quality of knowing what's coming up, understanding the the 
physiological experience or the physiological response in the body, noticing the nature of our thinking instead of being carried away or off in that thinking. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for, you know, if you have one thing set you off, it could be a couple minutes, but it could also be a couple hours or a couple days or a couple weeks months. or a couple months or a I couple I mean, think years. about resentments, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. how long you've been holding on to that yeah. resentment? 25 yeah. years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know oh, people who are holding on to it forever, mm-hmm, right? The mm-hmm. the stories, the grudges, and the energy that is really being trapped yeah. there. Yeah. So that makes sense. And also, I love saying it's just acknowledging that human beings, we're going to have the variety of feelings. That meditation is not taking feelings away. Correct. It's allowing you to experience them from a new perspective, yeah. right? To be able to be like, oh, there's that anger. And yeah. what is it teaching me? Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. What does it say? What do I need to do about it? Not, oh, there's that anger. I have to suppress it. Correct. Or I have to yeah. lash out at it danger, or respond danger, to yes, it. Yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. So it becomes more responsive rather than reactive. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm something else that you had just said was like oh so then you know being in that quality of being able to be in that present moment and it gets a lot of airtime in the community of like wellness meditation mindfulness like present moment be here be here now be present Mm -hmm. all of that but it gets the airtime for the weight that it actually carries so the present moment is really the only place that our nervous system can actually reconcile it's the only place that the nervous system can be at any given time (laughs) so anytime we're thinking too much about the past it induces depression. Mm-hmm. Anytime we're worried or thinking too much about the future, it induces anxiety, anxiety. fear, anxiety. sure. And mm-hmm. so the only place that the nervous system can reconcile is when we're willing to actually be with what is right now. This is where the truth is, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it sounds easy when we hear it intellectually, like, okay, yeah, well, I'm present. But to really allow our attention to be, you know, aware of the qualities of what are available to us or the richness of what is available to us. And it might even be a sound in your immediate environment. It might be like even listeners right now, just notice where your hands are setting and what they're touching. Maybe they're connected to each other or resting on your lap or a table. Without even moving them, just, <clears throat> excuse me, just becoming aware of you know where your hands are or finding a physical sensation of your breath. So it's all these things that are available to us right now and then the discipline of actually bringing our attention to it on purpose. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's something going on in the brain when we're doing that too because I know you guys are... We're brain people. You're brain people. I was going to say brain geeks. Yeah. But like you're into that. So what's what's happening when we do that is the prefrontal cortex is being engaged, being put online. And the prefrontal cortex is responsible for decision making, executive function, emotion regulation, all of the beautiful byproducts of those things. Mm-hmm. So these are things that we think are intact when we leave every day, right? Mm-hmm. We leave the house. We think, yeah, I've got my executive function in order. I'm a grown adult. But it can take that one thing. You know, that kind of sets us off into, triggers us into a stress response, low to mid or mid to high grade stress response. And when the prefrontal cortex is offline, we're losing those very sophisticated functions of the brain and our more primitive functions move forward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We've talked about this too. So Mm -hmm. if you've listened to us um, talk about the stress response, it's really Mm -hmm. what we we talk about the the switch, right? So Mm -hmm. if the switch is turned on, the Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex has turned off. Yeah. Right? And being able, it sounds like, to engage in this practice is yeah. having more control over the switch. 
That's exactly yeah. right. And the more we practice once a day, every day, formally, and like I said, this starts very small, two, three minutes in the beginning, five minutes. And then, the, you know, do that for a couple of weeks, raise it to seven minutes. If you continue to increase that until you get 20 minutes a day, once a day, every day, game changer. And in as little as eight weeks, we're creating new neural pathways in the brain. This means we're able to arrive at that regulated state more quickly, not just in our formal seated practice, but when we're out in the world, our awareness, our self-awareness increases, and then our ability to pull in a micro-practice in those moments that we can feel ourselves, quote, going there, mm -hmm. right? We know that we're being triggered in this, maybe it's that one person, or have you ever had that one email come up with a name and you haven't even opened the email, but you know the person, you know the name, you know, and you, you're off to the races in your own mind, mm -hmm. right? And so these moments that we face in the day, some we know are coming, some we feel blindsided by, but we get a new footing, a new skill to be able to actually notice that we're leaving our balanced state our what's called in this work window of tolerance we're leaving that window of tolerance and we're getting into a stress response mm -hmm. we're able to pull out a micro practice a short version of what we practice in our own protected time each day those micro practices can then bring us you know some relief and comfort and balance back into that state that feels more comfortable mm -hmm. to be in our body, to be in our mind, you know, to be with our thoughts. We're able to um, just just kind of keep our footing a bit differently, and then therefore able to act from our integrity and our dignity instead of our crazy that we were talking about mm -hmm. earlier. That sharp person that I told you about, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I don't have that be come out for me anymore. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. I'm able to actually think and and process some things and then use my self regulation skills before I speak now, which is a yeah. game changer no. in life. That's a game brain, changer yeah, no. in life. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. So. Good stuff. So good stuff. before we go on break, because I'm just mindful of time. I'm like <laughs> Such good stuff. We are mm -hmm. just going along. Kaylee, our research mm -hmm. gal, do you want us to tell? We like to really talk to you about what is it, right? right. And what's the science behind it? Because mm -hmm. that's really what Brain Grub is all about, right? Giving you the 411 on the actual info. We're not just feeding you crap. Right. We want to give you nutrition for your brain, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And we're bringing you wellness. So tell us some stats that you pulled um, about meditation and how it can help you yes yeah, so here's some stats about benefits of the workplace meditation okay. with classes yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a study that found that 10 days of guided meditation can reduce stress by 14 percent and reduce irritability by 27 percent Wow. and three weeks of use was shown to increase compassion by 23 percent and reduce aggression by 57 percent okay oh my that's goodness. huge yeah you guys we could just sit in those statistics right now and just soak those in mm -hmm. like if every listener <laughs> just to take that in wow 57 percent on aggression think yeah. about that look at look at our world right now uh, i know i know to add that you know honestly i was thinking about this when you were going to come on and when i lived in japan um, med meditation, right? Mindfulness guided practices are very common. A lot of people do Tai Chi. And when I would be going to work in the morning, uh, a traditional um, Okinawan, say, workforce would be outside doing meditation yeah. Tai Chi together as part of like preparation for work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, Absolutely. you know, how much different is that, right? How is How are they engaging on a day to day basis when they are doing 
I mean, I know Tai Chi isn't, but Tai Chi incorporates meditation into the practice. So how, how are they engaging differently and how is their interactions with each other different compared to, you know, us getting in the morning, running late, slamming our coffees, Mm -hmm. being in traffic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of running our lives offline. Yeah. And guess who lives the longest? How many people live in over 100? Where are they? Mm-hmm. Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's your little yeah. tip for the day. Any yeah. other stats before we go yes. take a little break? A couple more. So um, there was a Detroit study that took a look at how meditation improved productivity in the workplace. It was found that absenteeism fell by 85%. Holy crap. Yeah. Pro- productivity rose by 120% and injuries dropped by 70%. Okay, I'm just going to drop a, drop the mic right there and just say this is such a good thing for you that you're doing this in the yes. workplace yes. and such a if you aren't if you are not on board and you're not a, you know, an employer that's on 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 board with this, I would say get on board. Yeah. Talk about a money saver. Right. Jeez. Geez, oh, Pete's those. Sti- I haven't seen those statistics, mm-hmm. so thank you for sharing them. Yeah. Those are incredible. That's insane. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any other mic drops before we? Yes. Okay. Um, Stanford University School of Medicine conducted a study that shows meditation can lead to a 30% decrease in stress related symptoms mm-hmm. that often lead to serious illness. Okay. There's your chronic stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And about 80% of workers say they feel stressed at work and they need help trying to manage it. Yes, ma'am. I feel like eighty percent is low. I feel like it's like ninety six percent. Yeah, probably. I mean, I know yeah. we've got like a good thing going on, yeah, okay? True. But um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I, yeah. I feel like most people I talk to, most of my friends are like stressed at work. There is another study out too that then indicates what percentage of people feel that their employer should be supporting them. Mm-hmm. That it's not just on them to find resources but they should be resourced by their employers too. at least something and right that number's mm-hmm. certainly growing from oh, i think for sure from back in you know our, maybe yeah, our day yeah. when, when we were into the work early yeah. into the workforce workforce today sees employers as responsible for stepping up for that yeah mm-hmm. i think just it's changing i think mm-hmm. especially since covid right mm-hmm. we we know what it looks like to be working from home in our jammies mm-hmm. versus right. being in the office it's different it is okay any others if not you're good i feel like these are major ones they they were okay awesome we have rachel wixie in the house Mm -hmm. meditation guru we will be back right after this break right after So welcome back. Now, if you were just tuning in, we have Rachel Wixie in the house. Meditation (laughs) extraordinaire. Yes. She is here to teach us about meditation, right? And to kind of demystify it because a lot of people hear meditation and either they think it's all grungy, right? They're like, I don't do that granola thing. Or they are worried that it's mindfulness or that they have to sit in a corner quietly and they mm-hmm. can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or they worry that it's somehow connected to some spir- you know, spiritual practice yeah. that they don't want to be involved in. Yeah. So, so far we've learned what it is, yeah. right? And we're, we're realizing it's, it's not what we thought it was, no. <laughs> right? It's paying attention. It's like yeah. tuning in and paying attention on purpose without judging, right? Mm-hmm. It's telling Judy... Take a beat. Yep. Pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the practice is really self-fulfilling. The more you do it, yes. sounds like the more regulated you get mm-hmm. and the better you feel, mm-hmm. right? The more able you are to be open and connect with other human beings. Mm-hmm. And let's yeah. be honest, that's what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Humans, we try, we want to connect. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you say um, 
you know, the better you get. Because what's actually going on in the nervous system is if we're somebody who's in a constant state of vigilance, you know, fight, flight, or a sympathetic response, this um, stress response, and we don't very often give our nervous system the break from that. When we meditate once a day every day in a very practical way, we're actually retuning the nervous system that we can then once again become comfortable in a balanced state. Because what happens for us after we've spent so long in a, in a vigilant, sympathetic response, that becomes our new comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And then to dip out of it, our system starts to find ways to recreate a stressor. It's, it's okay, so I think I just want to give an example and tell me if this mm -hmm. fits. So mm -hmm. I was talking with someone uh, and they were saying, I find that my body um, likes to be anxious. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't think your body likes it. And mm -hmm. they said, well, I feel like if there's nothing big to be worried about, mm -hmm. then my brain picks something to be yeah. worried about because That's it doesn't know how to relax. That's exactly it. Christine. So if there's nothing on fire, yep. my brain picks like, What's going on in, you know, Ukraine or Somalia oh or gosh, the, no the children who aren't being fed or my neighbors or, or she said it just picks up, it picks up crazy stuff. Or worse, creates crazy stuff, like looks for someone's guilt that maybe isn't there. <coughs> Right, like, what's she looking at? Why is she looking at me? Funny? Yes, I don't yes. Know what her also, is, you know? yes. Even, <laughs> even, even yeah. saying that they will ruminate. Mm -hmm. Yes, that they will start ruminating. Yes. They'll have a con. They'll like hang out with a friend, mm -hmm. and then they'll ruminate. Like, did mm -hmm. I say too much? Did I not say too much? Yep. Did I? And are they mad at me? Yep. Uh, why didn't we make a, a coffee date for next week? Like, yep. blah blah blah. And, and they were like having that realization. Like, I do not know how to tell my brain to just shut up. Yep. You're describing exactly what, what I was pointing to. <coughs> wow. The nervous system ends up being in that vigilant state so often for so mm -hmm. long that it retunes and the it's normal, normal, mm -hmm. you know, state ends up. And keep in mind, like, I'm not one to talk ab about the P word much. I mean, the pandemic is three years past and all that good stuff. But that constant state of stress that we were all in mm -hmm. yeah. definitely had effect on People living in fear. Our nervous right? system I mean, is absolutely. for sure yeah. people living in fear. And so this practice, again, done once a day every day in, in short bites, will actually retune the nervous system back into that healthy state where we can be in a balanced state comfortably without needing to. Okay. And I love what you're saying because mm. if it's balanced, right, we always talk about homeostasis, yes. right? Yes. The body is always working towards homeostasis. Yes. Right. If you are needing a little pick me up, maybe you want the cookie or you want to be um, sharp, as you said. Uh, right. Um, and if you're living in that constant state, your body tries to keep it there. Right. It tries to keep yeah. a balance. So being able to have this practice helps you to just come into this place of homeostasis. Yes. And if you are in homeostasis, we know that your immune system is not going to be suppressed. Yeah. Your heart is not going to be under stress. Yeah. Your 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 cells are able to heal more easily and quickly. So physiologically, you're actually also going to be in better balance. Mm -hmm. All facts. Yeah. All facts. And every time we're wow. doing this, it, we don't have a ton of time to get into the topic, no, but no. the vagus nerve gets a lot of airtime these days, and rightfully so. And it starts in the brain stem. It goes into the middle middle ear muscle, the throat, lungs, heart, other organs, and it has a regulatory effect on everything the vagus nerves mm -hmm. touches. Mm -hmm. So this healthy vagal tone is what they call it in this field. Having healthy vagal tone allows us to be in that balanced, regulated state, and then therefore allows all of the organs that it touches, Christine, to actually be regulated, therefore optimally working, 
all the things that you were just pointing to. So there is some very clear science that points to why a regular meditation practice has a great deal of impact on our mental, physical, emotional, social, psychological health and well-being. Every area. It touches every area. Mm-hmm. I know. Kaylee's like, mind blown. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it, yeah, really cool. It's so cool what our bodies yeah. have going on. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So tell us uh, again about, you know, Kaylee, you said, I don't know anything about this. Like, what, so what are the types? What, are, mm-hmm. what is this? Yes. Um, tell uh, us a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. And then um, so with the stats on the workplace meditation, mm-hmm. like how often would you go into a workplace and do meditation with them once a week, a couple times a week to actually show a difference? Like how mm-hmm. often with that or would they have to go home and also do that on the days you're not there? Mm-hmm. How does that all work? Good question. And it's going to you know depend on the, the client and okay. their appetite for. And if I do my job well, we'll have something better more I shouldn't say better than but more than a one-off okay you know I mean an introductory one time is Mm -hmm. better than nothing but we all know that change does not occur with something one time it's no different than practicing any other skill you're looking to build Mm -hmm. swimming instruments reading writing dancing doesn't matter what we're talking about it takes more than once to do it and it takes more than reading about it to do it so I can't read about being a great swimmer Um, for a year and then hop in the water and expect to perform as a swimmer or whatever sport might come to mind. And so um, ideally there is some kind of long range engagement and and plan really. Okay. Um, And that doesn't mean I'm there all the time. Mm -hmm. It means that we have a plan that brings the material informally, invites people into um, considering daily practice on their own. Um, I'm a very big proponent of daily practice, and I'm a very big proponent of morning practice. In the morning, our minds are most open and susceptible to change. We're contending with a lot less Mm -hmm. of what, you know, by the time you're meditating at 8 o'clock in the evening, Mm -hmm. you've got a whole day under your belt that you're kind of um, contending with a little bit. And evening meditation is better than no meditation, but if you can find a way to build that in somewhere in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, it can be extremely supportive and nourishing. And so really my work is to go in and to the extent that I'm able to get into introductory material foundations of mindfulness and meditation, which really needs at least six to eight weeks. It it really does. Um, And then ways to culturally build this into the workplace you know, and that can look like a lot of, diff- there's so many different ways to bring this work into the culture of a workplace. It might mean at the beginning of each meeting, we take a, a 30 second um, short practice where we're doing something that is backed in science that we know is gonna regulate the nervous system so that we're not acting from our defenses, our crazy, our fear before we even get started. Mm-hmm. It might mean that we start with a check-in. Check-in means just drop your awareness physiologically into your body and identify out loud, or at least for yourself at a minimum, what you're feeling and sensate, you know, what are the body sensations right now as we get started? And what do those body sensations mean for you? So maybe my heart's racing and I know I'm a little bit nervous because the topic right now I'm not in love with, but I have to be in the room and do it anyways. The more we can be aware of what our physiological response is in any given moment and then name them skillfully first and foremost for ourselves, the more we're able then to authentically be with other people and if it feels right, name it for them too. And this is then where trust and connection is built. Because if I come in a nervous wreck, but I wanna act like everything's fine, mm-hmm. you know, and that you can feel that disconnect. Right, because you're like, you, you don't look fine. This isn't matching up, right? <laughs> Same with our mm-hmm. kids, right? Mm-hmm. That's a whole other talk too. 
our kids are feeling and sensing creatures first. Language doesn't even come until much later, so they're really feeling, sensing, detecting, mm-hmm. attuning to our nervous system. And getting the experience of, of um, whether we are offering them a safe and present space to be with. And so when we are able to identify that for ourselves, embody a regulated nervous system so that when we are present, we are at ease, we're not in a state of defense, it feels more safe to connect with us. We're signaling safety to others. It's like saying, hey, I'm here, I'm safe, what's up? Okay. Without actually yeah. having to say, hey, I'm safe, what's up? Right. Yeah, but you can feel, sense, and detect that. Have you ever been with someone that just feels good to be with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In part, there's probably some sense of regulation in their nervous system. Have you ever been with someone that you don't really have any real problem with, but after an hour you need a shower and a nap? Like, oh my gosh, what just happened? Like, like suck the know. energy out of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, energy vampire. No real, no real <laughs> conflict necessarily. Right. But you can almost feel, and then it takes... A little bit of a tax and a toll on, on YouTube, which makes sense because we—I mean—we are energetic beings. Right? We're co-regulating at all Absolutely. times. Absolutely. So I'll just share if I may take one quick yeah, minute to do say it. my experience. Mm-hmm. I came into the space. Kaylee was here. You were mm-hmm. an absolute gem. You had this gentle smile, this this immediate kindness, this immediate welcome. Like I, I felt like immediately. Um, even though I felt good walking in the door, mm-hmm. you even made this space and this environment all the more comfortable. Life on air is a thing, yeah, you know. Like, Walked in, you made me feel right at home. So there's awesome. an, you already know that there is a certain degree of nervous system regulation with you just by being with you. Mm-hmm. I know that immediately just by walking in the room with you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take, you know, long to kind of feel, sense, and detect those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anyone who is you know in a dysregulated state but just even being aware can be helpful right because i feel like a lot of people aren't even aware of how they're feeling right they're just not even aware it's like how are you feeling fine right i'm good how are you right (laughs) or busy we've talked about that that busy is actually a terrible word and it and we have somehow made it be like this good thing like Mm -hmm. if you're if you're saying you're busy everything's Mm -hmm. going great and typically it means i'm overwhelmed i'm stressed out i'm feeling anxious i'm disconnected Mm -hmm. right it Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean a good thing so okay awesome what are the things we want to know what types? I mean, we, oh, yes, yeah. yes, Go ahead. yes. What types are there? There are, there are so many different types of meditation. I can I can really speak to what I facilitate, um, and because so much of my work is in schools and in workplace settings, I'm working with secular practices. My personal practice is steeped in prayer, so I am a spiritual person by nature. I mean, I I, I think I believe that we're all spiritual in nature, but I do connect back to that. Um, part of myself and my own contemplative practice. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there are visualization practices, imagery, um, sound. You can sit and work with different tones and sounds that yeah. are resonant to our vibrations. That, that sound baths. Yeah, that oh, Christine yes. was pointing to earlier. Absolutely. Sound baths are a form of meditation. Walking meditation, guided meditation, silent meditation. Um, seated formal meditation you can practice seated lying down or standing up one of my um, what feels so important to me when I go out with this work is to make sure that I invite people into an exploration of really what feels nourishing for them I'm not here to say what might nourish you Mm -hmm. I'm here to invite you to explore that a little bit and if that's standing up while you meditate then stand 
I'm not here to say that you have to be, you know, we don't need um, a mountain and a cave and a white robe in 40 years in order to have a skilled practice. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of noticing what feels supportive and nourishing for you and then growing in that. Because you got to get back, you know, you got to go back every, <laughs> you want to go back every day to it. Right, so right, gotta, right, right. There's got to be something that feels supportive in it. Okay, I might be throwing you on the spot, but I'm guessing this comes, okay. this comes up for me all the time, so I'm guessing it comes up for you all the time. What do you tell folks that say, I tried meditation, it doesn't work for me? Yeah. It's the two biggest things that I hear in group and in my center is, um, I tried a meditation, it quote, didn't work for me, mm-hmm. or I believe that there are benefits to meditation, I just don't have a skillful way to begin. So your question specifically, Christine, points to quite often the nature of the busy mind, how our thoughts are more in charge of us than we are. Mm -hmm. And I would just want to say that respectfully, we all have busy thoughts. So no one really is exempt. I am yet to encounter a human who says, no, my thoughts aren't that busy. No, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. They're at bay. They're never at bay. We're human. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. We don't wake up and say, brain, turn on. No. So, th- so the point is, we all have the nature of the mind is busy. Mm-hmm. And depending on, you know, childhood and past, and we don't have time for all that right now, but we all have very busy minds. Our most, the, the very most sophisticated part of our neurocircuitry that we have to work with does allow us to focus our attentional awareness on purpose when we want to. This is the skill that we're building. And so for your first practice, if you say, I'm going to sit down for five minutes and try and hold my attention in the present moment on a sound, you might actually connect to the sound for two seconds here, one second there, three seconds there, and otherwise you're off in thought somewhere. That's okay. That's how the practice starts. That's all of us. Get up, carry on with your day, get your tush back on the cushion, so to speak, or however you practice. The next day, do it again. And then over time, what you'll find is you'll begin to be able to hold that attentional awareness to, in this case, the sound, for longer periods. Longer periods might be five straight seconds. We're not looking to do a marathon out of the gates with this. And I've been practicing for 15 years, and there are still sometimes I sit down for a practice and stand up and think, why did I bother? Well, it's still the discipline. I'm disciplining myself. I'm maintaining the habit, right? Because as we start a new habit, the body mm-hmm. wants to go wonky on you. It's going to want to do anything other than this new habit. Because mm-hmm. the body by design is going to want to preserve resources. And the best way to do that is to just keep doing what you've been doing. Yeah. Right. So the mm-hmm. mind is going to want to talk you out of it and say, oh, no, tomorrow's fine. Just do it tomorrow morning. Monday. Mm-hmm. Do it Monday. The body's going to want to get up and keep you busy with the things that it's usually busying itself Mm -hmm. with. So just be prepared for that. And when it comes up, notice like, oh, there that is again. And sit down anyways. Practice for those five minutes. And the thoughts are busy. This is human. But we do, as humans, have this remarkable ability to focus attention on purpose where we want to. And it's a, it's a remarkable skill that has the capacity to really serve us, nourish us, support us in many, many, many ways when we get good at it. So we're building the brain muscle. Correct. Right? I mean, yeah. we're building, yes, we are actually building neural pathways. We are building the brain muscle. And we know habits take time. Yep. You are not going to build your bicep in one curl. Don't we wish? I mean, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be so nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so we're not going to build our brain strength of focus and a right. That's right. In one shot. 
That's right. But I promise if you sit once a day every day for 30 days, even if at the end of those 30 days you think, you know what, I'm not going to continue, I promise it won't be for nothing. Mm -hmm. I promise. Mm -hmm. I heard a really good quote, and I think this would apply for meditation. Um, I heard a good quote that someone said, I never felt guilty about doing a workout. Mm -hmm. I felt, I've had felt guilt when not doing it, Mm -hmm. right? I've Mm -hmm. beat myself up when I skipped a workout or missed it or didn't do it. But there's never been a time that I beat myself up for working out, for actually getting it, the work done. And I think that has to do with like showing up for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like this is true, too. Right. If you commit and you say, this is for me, this is for me to regulate. This is for me to, you know, this this five minutes, this two minutes. And, you know, every workout is not perfect. Sometimes you just slog through it. You're just getting the reps done. Right. Like this, you know, you can't even lift the weight you lifted last week. For real. OK. That's but exactly you just the you got it done. But there's mm-hmm. never a time you leave and you're like, that was terrible. I should have never gone to the gym. So well said, Christine. Thank you so much. And I'm going to tell you, I, I genuinely believe that it is one of um, that that this offers the most profound self care we can do, and it's the most natural thing we can do. We walk with the skill. We don't need any yep. anything mm-hmm. other than what we walk with, and we walk with the resources wherever we go. And I don't just say that because I do it for a living. I do it for a living because I believe it. Yeah. yeah. No, you embody it. Yes. And yeah. that is, I think, really important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, all right, so we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, I want to talk about how do, how can we people start practicing it, okay. right? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What are some strategies if they're looking at, like, okay, now what? This sounds great. What do I want to do, yes. right? Um, I also want to kind of maybe address the, the, the whole prioritizing time. Yep. Because, again, with change comes time, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. if I, you know, they're like, I don't have time for that, yep. right. right? Talking about how do we make the time, mm-hmm. right? Prioritize that. Mm-hmm. And then if we have time which we're going to make the time. Yeah. I would love for everybody to get a little bit of an experience, just a quick yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so again, when we come back, I'll remind you, but again, if you're driving right now, you have maybe, you know, 10 minutes <laughs> or yeah, so right. to get where you want to go. And then, and I'll cue you, I'll give you like a little two minute warning, right? You can pull over into Arby's parking lot or something if needed. And we're going to get a little experience, right? Yes. We're going to regulate in the here yeah. and now because I think mm-hmm. it's really important, right? Really we're good. going to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what we're talking about. So the intellectual understanding is good, but it's not enough. It's the experience oh, that yes. takes us there. You got to. Amen. So okay, yes. so we're going to we're gonna try this out in mm-hmm. the room all together mm-hmm. with all of you listening around the world. Ooh. Okay, so stay tuned right after this break. And as you know, or you're just turning in, we also have Rachel Wixie here in the house with yeah. us. Meditation extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. She's here and she does uh, meditation for wellness. So she's joining us. And if you were listening before the break, we were talking about what meditation does for your body and your mind and your spirit. Um, kind of getting into the actual physiological changes, mm-hmm. the emotional changes, the health and well-being that happens, how the connections, etc. So we wanted, I wanted to kind of just kick off uh, asking about like, okay, so we know there's tons of types, yeah. right? We know that um, it doesn't necessarily require a ton of time to start. Correct. Um, where would you say would be like, okay, what's the next step? How would someone get started? They've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Kaylee, right? Yes. 
How was how does Kaylee get started? Yes. She's starting today. Mm-hmm. Right. So you hear it and you think, okay, Rage, I'll try this. I love Where do this. I begin? Yeah, okay, Where do I begin? Mm-hmm. This this is what I would suggest. Um, first of all, plan um, on finding a ten minute spot in your day for this. Okay. Again, I'm a big proponent of morning. So if you can do this before the world is up, before kids need you, before hungry people come into your life and you gotta start doing all the things we do in a day, morning is great. And when I say ten minutes, that means you've prepared yourself to walk in sit down get Mm -hmm. settled practice for five minutes let your eyes open reflect journal if you want to do a quick journaling or whatever you do to reflect um, intentionally and then get up carry on with your day so the practice itself is five minutes you're setting aside seven to ten minutes to begin so it's very manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to reiterate that your body's going to want to tell you, you don't have to do this right now. Let's just get the dishes done first and then fold that load of laundry. And then if you can pack lunches, then I'll do it. Get that time carved out. Commit to the time like you would any other appointment or commitment in your calendar. So this is okay. don't hit the snooze button Correct. one more time. Correct. The Correct. snooze button is your meditation time. Um, it's funny you say that because in the beginning of my practice, Christine, that's literal. 5 o'clock, 5 a.m., I had to get up to do it to get it in. I was a closet mm-hmm. meditator at the time, meaning I didn't talk to anybody about this. I just got up and did it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there was no snooze. There was right. just no snooze. It was, then you're out it was mm-hmm. snooze and sleep and carry on with your life the way that you've been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or get up, take yourself seriously, and do your meditation, Rachel. Like, that's how I viewed it for myself. And okay, I, just, I love what you just said. Like, take yourself <laughs> seriously. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That A lot of that going on. Okay, so... Um, that's number one. Plan on your body wanting to not do it and that, and then doing it anyways. This is creating new habits. In your mind. In your mind. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep, in your mind. And your mind's going to try and talk you out of it. Your body's going to try and talk you out of it. Okay, I'm just going to give a little quick example. Yeah. Monday, doing a meditation. Yeah. And I told my husband this. Within like the first three minutes, my mind was like, that's it. I don't want to do this today. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Literally, it was yeah. like, I don't want to do it. You don't need it. You're fine with that. I, you've got this to do. This and then is I was more like, important. Oh, you can no, do it later. you're going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It happens. Mm-hmm. And so what we do in those moments, actually, Christine, because they'll come up for listeners if you, tr- you, know, if you yeah. choose to do this, what we do is we notice our urge to get up. Like there Doesn't it mean is. We have to okay. act on it. It's now we we bring in a little bit of the observer quality, that observing quality that allows us to notice our subtle tendencies instead of act on them immediately. This is why you hear so much about impulse control being a byproduct of meditation. Mm-hmm. It's true. We okay, end up yeah. we end up having that space that. between. I can think. I don't want to do this today. Yeah, you're allowed. Notice to think. it and just do it anyway. Yeah. And to the extent that we can, let that thought pass. Mm-hmm. Return back to whatever type of meditation you're doing. Yep. Yep. Um, that's one. Number two, find a place in your home that you know you can, if you're setting a time, this time aside that you can get up, go to, if you're in a seated practice, sit down. It might be a comfortable cushion. It might be a chair. Um, it, like I said, it might be standing, whatever that might be. But know your designated space in the beginning. In the beginning, this is not bed. When we lay down in bed, this signals to the nervous system that we're there for sleep. Mm-hmm. So until you know your habit's well underway, don't pick bed as your meditation spot. You may wake up, roll over out of bed, hit the ground, and meditate right there. Okay. But don't lie down in bed or sit down in bed for that. Okay. I'm going to jump in there, yeah. and I'm going to advocate to never meditate in bed, only because <laughs> it will mess with your psychological sleep cycle. Okay. There Sorry. we go. There we go. You can have sex in bed. 
Mm-hmm. You can sleep in bed. Yeah. But if you're doing other things in bed, it does mess with your the psychological aspects of sleep. Sorry, Rachel. Can no, you no, read? No. Yeah, I'm real glad. You really shouldn't. Really? Yeah. Sex and sleep, people. I know you're my bookworm. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Sex and sleep. <laughs> Sex and sleep. Okay. okay. Sex and sleep. Don't snack. Okay. No. Don't meditate. Don't read. Don't watch TV. Don't hang out in there. Don't do work. Because psychologically, it tells your brain, yeah. this is where we do this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right? So nervous system, psychologically, yeah, yeah. brain, all of that. So I'm I'm in your camp on that, too. I know yours coming. It's, it's all coming from science. So when you set this place up, have it somewhere other than in your bed. And then, so roll um, out of bed. And yeah, roll your roll your butt. I out love of bed. it. You're and like then, pillow on the floor, just <laughs> right. dump out. Sure can, and that's just fine. That's beautiful, and we don't need a lot of space. So the space that we're sitting in right now, mm-hmm. the chair, what we're occupying, this is enough space. So we don't need a big room or anything elaborate or any large deck or garden. Or you know, it can be just literally the space that you're sitting in now. Put things in that space that um, you know comfort you. I have personally a candle, I have a journal, a pen, an altar, so that does bring in some of what my spiritual belief is. You know, mm-hmm. I place a lot on the altar in a day sometimes, but you don't need that. I'm just saying something that you find comfort in that mm-hmm. you can know is your personalized space, and this is where you go to, quote, practice. Um, find language in your home that works for you, meaning um, I shared earlier I was a closet meditator for years, but once I had language to put to it a little bit with the others in my home, I could say things like, I'm gonna go sit. I'm going to go meditate. I'm going to go practice. Um, Whatever that language is that feels true for you, begin to share that with the other humans in your home so that they they can be supportive in this with you. You may also wish to invite other humans in your home into your practice, but this is my caution. Invite them from a place of, I'm going to meditate, and if you'd like to join me, you're welcome, versus... I'm going to meditate, and it looks like you could use it too, so why don't you come sit with me? This idea that we tell someone they need to meditate is is not what we're here for. Remembering we're kind of back in our own lane, addressing our own practice, and we can extend that as an offering to someone else if that feels right, mm-hmm. but it's going to be from the space of you're welcome to come with me, not you need to because there's something wrong with you. <laughs> now, is there family meditation? Like, yeah. is that a thing? Like, oh, absolutely. If your spouse, partner, yeah. kid? Yeah. Okay. For sure. And I do private work with couples, families, groups, family groups, so beyond the immediate family even, like larger, you know, cousins, mm. nieces, nephews. Like, so cool to, mm-hmm. to be with family in that way. Okay. Right, because we're holding space for ourselves to look at our own subtle tendencies, befriend ourselves a little bit differently, meaning we might be able to even laugh at ourselves a little bit here and there once we kind of notice our stuff. Mm-hmm. And as we're willing to name our own stuff, other people find safety in being able to name theirs too. This is where that rich connection comes back. And so having language, inviting others in if it feels right, and don't feel obligated to do that. If this is your protected time for practice and that means that's your only Mm -hmm. 10 minutes in the day you get, take it. Don't feel bad about not inviting someone else. You never have to invite anybody else if you don't want to do that. So those are all things completely up to you. But I did find that just having some language to it was helpful for me once I went through that process too. And then having um, a game plan when you get there, particularly in the beginning. Anytime I go through an intro series with a group, I always want to make sure every single week I check in on One, are you making the time? And then two, if you've made the time and you're disciplining yourself to sit, do you have a skillful way to begin? Do you know what you're doing when you get there? 
And so that's what we do when we go through, you know, a series of foundations of mindfulness and meditation and how to begin. Mm -hmm. And so this is using, we're, we're introducing a repertoire of practices that you can actually explore and engage on your own mm -hmm. in a skillful way again backed by science that is getting the prefrontal cortex online creating those new neural pathways that we were talking about earlier and being able to engage on purpose um, again with some skill involved nice awesome. i was also thinking and again if you have family members in the house do you think it would be important to just make sure they're not interrupting you during this practice so this to just warn you like this 10 minutes uh, is mine yeah this is a great question so here's the reality um, I would get up at 5 so I didn't even have the risk for the most part but this is what I want to say I realize I might have moms on the you know listening right yeah, now yeah. going yeah right Rachel like what world are you living in that you think I'm I mean I lock myself minutes? in the bathroom to get right. 3 minutes right. and my kid is still like mom yeah, the mom, 4 year old is still in the door and all of that so here's I the beauty of it yes that's exactly right here's the beauty of it we cannot wait for our conditions to be perfect in order to practice. If we did, we would never practice. So I set myself up for really ideal conditions by getting up at 5. Mm -hmm. But in real life, if we can't find that practice until it's 7.45 in the morning and we know the world is up and there are things that still may be going on, we end up actually using our practice to notice how we're relating. So maybe my dog's out front barking and I want it to be quiet. Notice how I'm relating to my dog. Notice where my mental narrative goes on that. Noticing the visceral or the physiological response in the body because he won't settle down. Notice my narrative on, is somebody going to check on the dog or is it going to have to be me? Right? Like, so we use these things within our environment when it's not perfect to actually support us in practice. We're whole, practicing our awareness of how we're relating. And this all comes down, guys, to really how we're relating. You know, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to others. If not in relationship, where does mm -hmm. it even matter? Does it Where does it matter if not in relationship? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, this is a two-minute warning, people. Uh, so, two-minute warning. I warned you before the break. I'm going to warn you now. Um, so, if you're driving somewhere, I we are going to do an experiential practice because, again, um, like Rachel said so eloquently, it's not it's not enough to talk the talk, yes. right? We want you to actually walk the walk. Yes. When we mm -hmm. want um, to give you an experience, a little mini experience, yes. so you can try this out, try it on for size for you, and then again, we always wrap with our challenge of the week, yes. right? Yeah. Encouraging you to take something on. So if you are driving right now, find yourself a space that is safe that you can stop driving. Do not. I'm just going to repeat myself. Do not practice meditation while operating a vehicle. Yes, I don't do care if you have, you know, scrolled your social, Snapchatted, FaceTimed, <laughs> and ate a sandwich while driving. Do not meditate and drive at the same time. No. Yes, I know. Ohio police thinks us right now. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to give you a few minutes. Okay, just a little bit of a second. Um, just really quick a question Rachel while we're waiting I'm just giving everybody a, a chance to pull over if they're driving um, do you recommend if people are just getting started to have some sort of either a prompt or a, like a guide so they're not just like I don't know what the heck to do I'm just sitting here on my cushion yeah noticing I'm noticing. Mm -hmm. Do you think it does that help, or do you? I mean, again, I'm thinking of someone who's right. never yes. done this because yeah, that's what I would do. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I would just I'm sit there and be I'm, like, I'm sitting here, like, okay, hmm. trying to empty my mind, but 
such a good point because we're not trying to empty. There's no oh, way to okay. empty the mind. Mm. No way to empty. In fact, I'm mad at Tony Robbins right now because, Tony, if you're <laughs> listening, I'm mad at you. He was, you know, he's got so Tony, much. call us. <laughs> I am. He's you got and Rachel so, can have a yeah. brain grub face off. Toe-to-toe on this one. He's got so much influence and he's got so much mm-hmm. wisdom and he's so inspiring. And he said the other day why would i want to meditate who wants to scrub out their thoughts well we're 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 not we're not trying to get rid of thought in fact it's quite the opposite Mm -hmm. it's skillfully being with our thought noticing the nature of our thinking noticing where the mind tends to go when left unchecked it's going there whether we're checking in or not becoming aware of our own subtle tendencies this is how we become informed by our practice about our own ways Mm -hmm. and we can't change our ways if we don't know our ways or if we're not willing to look at our ways and as we do this we're actually getting the the regulatory effect in the body which means we're able to actually look at it a little bit longer than what we would if we were in a stress response because we never want to look at our stuff when we're in a state of defense okay so maybe okay. starting could be like at least starting with a prompt i say that guided, guided, guided meditations are great to begin with Um, or just deciding that you're going to anchor attention to something available to you of what we'll do in our short practice coming up. We'll give you some skills to work with. Perfect. Then you can also use sound. You can, like I said, your hands, lots of things that we can notice that are available right now. Pick one, one anchor, try and stick with it for five minutes. Each time thoughts wander, notice the nature of the thinking, come back to the anchor. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. All All right, people. Get into your comfortable positions. Pull over, turn off your vehicles. Turn your Snapchat to airplane mode. Your whole phone must be on airplane mode right now. You're preparing for a sacred space. I love it. Okay? For real. Yeah. yeah, I'm for real too. You better. I mean, let's it. be honest. Like, you're gonna get into this, and you're gonna be like, "Oh wait, huh? Better check my social." Yeah. Right. No. Okay. If you are gonna live stream this, do it now. Yeah. Right. This Amen. is your this is your 10 second warning. Get your live stream set up. Amen. Okay, Rachel, take it away. Thank you. Okay, so this will be about a three minute practice. I call it a grounding practice to ground the nervous system. Mm-hmm. I'll start the practice formally. I'll end the practice formally. I'll leave a very short period of silence in the middle. That's on purpose. We're not going anywhere. So to begin, I'll invite you to get into a comfortable position. And if that's seated, sitting upright yet relaxed, and even taking that upright posture signals to the nervous system that we're here for practice. So there's even a new sense of alertness as we take an upright posture. Having both feet flat on the ground, if that's available to you. And again, if you're seated, you may have your hands on your lap face up or face down. Whatever feels right for you. I have mine face up. That's just my personal preference. And to begin allowing the eyes to close, if that feels right. And if not, you may simply drop or soften your gaze to something before you. And inviting you now to become aware of the breath. And so we're just finding the breath as it is right now. We're not really looking to change it or manipulate it in any way. Just becoming aware of and present to the breath.
and inviting attention now to drop to the sit bones. And just feeling the pressure points between the sit bones and the chair or the seat that's supporting you. And maybe even allowing ourselves to sink a bit heavier into the sit bones. Just inviting a bit of relaxation. And dropping attention one more time to the bottom of the feet. And just detecting any sensation there may be in the bottom of the feet. And if there's nothing available, maybe even giving them a press into the ground. Inviting attention back up to the breath. To close our practice, together we'll follow one natural cycle of the breath, finding the beginning of the in-breath to the end of the in-breath, and the beginning of the out-breath to the end of the out-breath. As you feel ready, beginning to blink eyes and awareness back into your space. And as we do, sensing the pressure points in the sit bones with eyes open. we practice the quality of attentional awareness with eyes open as well. Thank you for your practice. That was about a three and a half minute practice or so, give or take. Awesome. That's nice. nice. Any reflection on that practice? I was noticing that when I opened my eyes, I became aware that all of the people are moving around us, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. for those three minutes just sort of disappeared. Yeah. Right? I kind of like got into my own vibe. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I wandered a lot. I had to keep coming back. Yeah. Not so. uncommon. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about sit bones, I had to keep saying sit bones. Sit bones yeah. Sit bones. Yeah, just so feeling them a lot, letting mm -hmm. the tension go into the sit bones. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did too. I was like, oh, my neck is tight. Yeah. Pop, pop. Yeah. And I was like, breathing. Can they hear me on the breathing? <laughs> but people disappeared for me. Right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so if you're listening, you can safely drive now. <laughs> 
And I hope that you'll walk away just uh, or drive away or just let us know how that experience was for you, right? We will drop a poll in the show and Mm -hmm. um, feel free to send us a message and let us know. That may have been your very first Mm -hmm. experience, right? And knowing just in three minutes' time how physiologically different you can feel. Yeah. May I add one thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that might have a calming effect, particularly when it's a short practice. I would never ask a beginner to sit down for 20 minutes and you know meditate for the first time. Mm-hmm. I'd never see them again. I'd never hear from them again. It's just not what the body wants to do. It would be too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That three-minute practice often has a calming effect. Great. If it did not, that does not mean you're broken or that you did it wrong or that it, quote, doesn't work for you. Your circumstances may not be ideal. It might be that you don't like meditating with other people around. It might mean that could mean a variety of different things. I would just say, get up, carry on with your day, mm-hmm. go back again tomorrow morning and, you know, sit down for another practice mm-hmm. and begin to explore the things that you feel are supportive to you. I will provide resources, Christine, yes. for your audience that mm-hmm. are able to use different meditations that will make available to them for sure. But um, I do want to name that sometimes it has a calming effect and sometimes it does not. It could have mm-hmm. induced irritation or agitation. That's not really doesn't mean anything's wrong. It okay. doesn't mean that it won't work for you or that it didn't work for you. And it might mean you need a different type, right? It could mean like you need to do a sound meditation or a walking meditation or lie down. Yeah, I'll work with, you know, our series will have um, breath as an anchor, different than what we just did. And some people will go, oh my gosh, that was so good. And some people will be like, no, thank you. Like, that felt uncomfortable in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Or some people love working with sound as an anchor, just finding a sound in their environment and holding attention to it. That's easy. They love air conditioners or, you know, things that might be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Some people say sound doesn't have any effect on them. They don't even work with it anymore. They don't even bother. So this is an exploration and to find a repertoire of different things that you can work with and practice them for a week or so at any given time. You'll find what works for you and you'll find what feels supportive. That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us the experience today and joining us. It's been awesome. So much information. I love it. I know. It's awesome. And so if you want to learn more, please, um, you know, this is Rachel Rixie joining us with uh, Meditation for Wellness. And if you want to learn more, feel free to just send us a message, shoot us a a, a DM. We will send you links. Rachel is going to provide links to get Mm -hmm. you started with some free resources for meditating. Um, And we thank you so much for listening to us today. Thank you. Okay, so take away, you know, Mm -hmm. little challenge. Yeah. Give one of these practices a shot. Yes. Give yourself 10 minutes, five minutes. Rachel's saying five. Five minutes once a day, every day for a week. That would be Okay, that's a good challenge. That's the challenge. All right. Thank you so much for listening to us today. We will talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.